When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code CANADALAND at checkout to get 10% off. If you live on Twitter, like me, then you know by now, it is old news that the Toronto Star's massive fail of a front page investigation into the dark side of the HPV vaccine Gardasil has been thoroughly discredited by dozens of doctors as a baseless piece of anti-vaccination fear-mongering. If you listen to the CBC, then you heard the star respond to the criticism. You heard star publisher John Cruikshank admit, we failed. You heard him say that he and Michael Cook, the editor-in-chief, take responsibility for that front page story. But what if you don't check Twitter so much? What if you miss those CBC stories? What if your chief source of news is the Toronto Star? There are still people like that out there. It is the biggest newspaper in Canada. If that's you, you may have missed the follow-up story that there is no dark side to Gardasil, a piece that was endorsed by dozens of doctors, but which ran not on the cover of the Toronto Star, but on page A17. 
You may also have missed public editor Kathy English's criticism of the story, which did appear on the cover of the print edition this past Saturday, but at the very bottom, under the fold, no big headline, no big font, no big photo. The article itself, which suggested pretty dramatically that you could die, that your kid could die if they get this vaccination, that article has not been retracted. It has not been corrected. The online version of the article has had the alarmist headline changed on the Toronto Star's website. But as I record this, not on the Hamilton Spectator's website or the Guelph Mercury who picked up the story, there the headline reads, HPV vaccine Gardasil has rare health problems. Who else picked up that story? The Cambridge Times and the Kitchener-Waterloo Record? Their headline reads, HPV vaccine Gardasil linked to rare health problems. Let us not imagine that everybody knows what we know about this discredited story. There are many, many people, thousands of them, whose exposure to this story ended with the Toronto Star's scary, scary cover story. The Toronto Star misinformed us with a bullhorn. And then apologized with a whisper. Even within the Toronto Star, there is division over whether or not the story should be pulled. Kevin Donovan, full disclosure, I worked with Kevin on the Gameshi stories. Kevin Donovan, who edited the piece, whose investigative unit produced that piece, he stands by the story. He provided Canada Land a statement in which he broke off from his publisher and public editor Kathy English and said the piece is absolutely fine. And Michael Cook, the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Star, well, yes, he did apologize in an apology that was buried within Kathy English's piece. But what he did not do, well, he has not apologized to the critic on Twitter whom he called an idiot, and he has not apologized to journalist Julia Belouz. Julia used to write for McLean's. She currently is in Washington, D.C., where she writes about health for Vox.com. She'll be on in a moment to tell us what Michael Cook said to her and why this story is still doing damage and why it still matters. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Yehan Korshed, Jennifer Johnson, Colin J. Herman, Ben, Joshua Ryder, Wanda Schmockel, Sarah Peel, Paul Merriam, Kelly Kordaki, Craig Sala, Jason Legere, and Squarespace. I'm getting a lot of submissions from freelancers, and I go to their portfolio sites. I go to check out their writing on their personal websites, and their websites look better than mine, and those websites invariably were created with Squarespace. Squarespace has basically just fixed this problem. They've made it so that anybody can have a website that looks as good as the best websites. It is simple, powerful, and beautiful. They have top designers who've created like this vast library of beautiful templates, and you just pick the one you like, and you enter in your own photographs and text, and then you've got your own professional-looking website. They are simple, powerful, beautiful designs. Squarespace offers 24-7 support via live chat and email. It'll cost you just $8 a month, and for that, you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. And the design is responsive. If you make the website once, it works on everything, tablets, phones, laptops, whatever. And every website comes with a free online store. Now, if you are in need of a wonderful website and any of this sounds appealing to you, you can just try this out in moments. It's actually kind of fun to do. You can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANADALAND. You'll get 10% off and you will be showing your support for CANADALAND. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, 
and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. How did the star get this so spectacularly wrong? So all of journalism, you know, we, we go out and we get the best possible and most compelling anecdotes for our stories. And the same can definitely be true for health journalism, but in in the health space, you want to make sure that the anecdotes you're collecting are actually representative of what is kind of known in the research and what... um, If you're going to come out and say that, you know, a vaccine is harming and maiming people, which the star says that that's not what they were trying to get at in the story, even though the title of the story is The Dark Side of the HPV Vaccine. You know, they they came out with anecdotes and they ignored not only the best available research evidence, but they just blatantly cherry-picked. They they mentioned um, the situation in Japan where the vaccine was pulled from the, or I guess I think they suspended its use, this particular HPV vaccine in Japan, but they ignored the fact that Australia's had spectacular success with the vaccine. Um, In many other countries, they just completely didn't mention that. They didn't mention these studies like that that have been done in Denmark and Sweden involving over a million girls that showed that this vaccine is very safe and efficacious. Um, And then they trotted out these anecdotes about women who say they've been harmed, which are obviously awful, awful, terrible stories of, um, you know, what these women went through and and one death. They're they're just awful, but they in no way prove that um, the vaccine caused this. You know, one really interesting example, since I've been reporting on measles in the last month, they came to light. I was talking to a mother who had some concerns about vaccine safety and she had chosen to delay vaccines um, for her children. And she was PhD in biomedicine, a really, really intelligent woman. And she said, you know, I know that my decision to delay the vaccine isn't based on the best available evidence. And she explained why. And then she said when she 
put her concerns on Facebook, she had some of her professors from her PhD message her and say, you know, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. We know that these vaccines are safe and effective. And then one admitted that when he was supposed to bring his son in for vaccination, the doctor's appointment got canceled because the, the boy got sick. And then the kid ended up having a seizure, just a spontaneous first ever seizure that this child had. And the professor told the, the, this PhD in biomedicine that if he had brought the kid in for the vaccine anyway, he would have thought that the vaccine had caused the seizure. So these coincidences happen in life. Um, and, you know, they're unfortunate. And, you know, it's possible that we'll find out that this vaccine or other vaccines or other medicines are dangerous. But the evidence that the star used to suggest that just isn't robust enough. It's not the kind of evidence it would be acceptable. The other thing that they did was there's this database of adverse events that the U.S. collects. Uh, it's called uh, the VARES database. And basically, they are reports that are sent in by anyone, the manufacturer, patients, parents, who have concerns that their child or patient had an adverse event after the vaccine. So this can be anything from they died, they got sick. Some of these are things like patient drowned after vaccination, a patient was sm like a child was smothered in her bed after vaccination. Those things get mixed in as well. And wh what they do in the U.S. is they surveil the these data and they try to figure out whether there are patterns that are, that are showing up. And any of the serious adverse events are followed up on to make sure that to, basically they're investigated to see whether the vaccine indeed caused whatever the side effect was. So the star used the VARES data to bolster their argument that, you know, this vaccine might be dangerous. And, and they didn't mention the fact that they're just self-reported anecdotes, their stories. You know, reading the piece, and it's the way that you kind of build a case in an article and an investigation, you know, you've got sort of like three or four things. You're, you know, it's, it's like one, two, three, true. So it's like, one, we spoke to these young women who reported, self-reported having health issues after getting the vaccination, and that's true. And then they had this Health Canada database where they had, I think, 60 cases where people self-reported having medical issues after getting the HPV vaccine. And that's true. They did report having those. And, you know, as you bring up, we we don't know that there's a direct causation between that, but but it's it's true, and that's all the star said. You know, yeah, yeah. These these people said that they had health issues after getting the vaccination, and then they pointed to this this open data in the states where again people self-reported having health issues after getting vaccinated, and. This is such an, uh, a red hot topic right now that, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, people who are very anxious about getting vaccinated and they're, and they're on the lookout for uh, health issues. So if something should happen to follow getting vaccinated and then you think that it was the vaccine and then you report it, that became evidence in this star story. Absolutely. So it's like I go and get vaccinated and then I get hit by a car. Um, it's just absolutely emblematic of how careful you need to be in health reporting to make sure that the data you're using are correct, that you're not cherry picking, that you're not taking data out of context, which is what happened in the case of the databases you mentioned. They don't mention the limitations of these databases in their story. They don't mention that they were just essentially more anecdotes, unproven. 
what's really interesting about this is, you know, like my question was, what did the star get wrong? And in fact, all the things they reported, they got right. I mean, it's true that those people feel that there was a relationship between the vaccination and, and the health issues. And it's true, the data that they suggest that, you know, there are people who self-reported. And then they, they did go to a medical expert. But then another expert, Dr. Jen Gunter, wrote uh, for an article on Canada Land that the expert that they cited worked for a Gardasil competitor, and that was not disclosed. So it's not to say that she wasn't qualified to comment, but it's, it's, it's a relevant thing to disclose that if this was a piece of scientific research that was being published, you would have to say, yes, she is raising questions about Gardasil, but she has been paid by Gardasil's competitor. So like the star, it's this weird situation where they're saying, hey, we didn't get anything wrong. We said we were explicit. Nobody has proven that these health issues were directly caused by Gardasil. We're explicit that you know lots of people think Gardasil is fine, and everything we printed is technically true, but you can be 100% accurate and then like have this editorial package where all you present are the negative cases, which are outliers, and then you have a headline that's shouting that this drug has a dark side. You could be 100% accurate, but 100% wrong. Yeah, absolutely. In, in my emails with Michael Cook, the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Star, he said, you know, I was giving these women a voice. Um, I'm concerned about these 60 women, Canadian women, who have been harmed by the vaccine. That's what he said oh. in his email to me. And my response was, we don't know that these women have been harmed by the vaccine. And that's the that's exactly the problem with um, with featuring them and presenting it in that light under the headline, the dark side of the HPV vaccine. Well, his response was just extraordinary. What else did he say to you? <laughs> Sorry, the, the responses were so. Hmm. He was very dismissive of my concerns. Um, he suggested that I my time is better spent instead of nitpicking. What I guess would he perceive? He called it an attack on the star, and he said that um, I was nitpicking their reporting and that my time was better spent doing my own investigations as a health reporter. You're being generous. He, he he put it in a very evocative way. And I, of course, I, I, I know Michael from my brief experience with the star, and he has a way with words. He said you need to stop gargling his bathwater. Yeah. You should be drawing your own fresh bath instead. Now, I don't know if you took personal offense to that, but you know, if you're gargling bathwater, I suppose that I'm just gulping it. Just the belligerence about, you know, how, how dare you look at our journalism? You know, like you should be doing your own journalism instead of criticizing ours. I've never heard laid so bare, you know, this kind of attitude that's so pervasive, which is uh, don't do to journalists what we do to everybody else. Don't look at our journalism. The concern I had with that, um, with his the, the tone and tenor of his response was that, you know, I think the emails that I sent were obviously I'm biased, but I think they were pretty reasoned and thoughtful. And I linked to evidence and cited evidence. And those emails weren't coming in isolation. They were coming, you know, after a storm, a deluge from doctors, health professionals, researchers, public health people saying, you know, you guys got this wrong. This is completely off base. And he responded like that. And what, what it says to me you know, I'm okay. So how to how to put this? I think clearly I'm not the first person that he's emailed like that. There must be other similar emails. And what what I don't understand is how this is. 
I don't know. Sorry, Jesse. I don't want to get into like defamation territory, but I just don't understand how uh, how the editor in chief of the Toronto Star can be responding to reader criticism, valid reader criticism, and questions like that. As I wrote in my emails to them, they've been doing a tremendous job at the Star, doing investigations into important areas of health. And a lot of them, the bulk of them, have been fantastic. This is one case where it was really off base. And, you know, the star's take is, you know, like we, we need, they go for accountability. They need accountability. And then the lack of accountability on the errors and problems in the story is what just really bothered me. And it bothered me because we are in Canada. We know that we have these notoriously low vaccine, HPV vaccine rates. The coverage is really low compared to other um, developed countries. And I guess when I was reading the Star Report, the reason I had such a strong reaction was I remembered very clearly at, at McLean's when I was working there, we, I think a little bit before I started there, they ran a story on our daughters are guinea pigs related to the HPV vaccine. And it was a cover story that covered this kind of fringe group of people who believed that the vaccine was harmful. And again, it was an example of like cherry picking anecdotes about people who had these extraordinary adverse effects after taking the vaccine. And for years after that story ran, I would hear from doctors when I'd say, hey, I'm calling from McLean's, they'd say, do you know that because of your story, you basically scared a generation of mothers and daughters or parents and kids. And um, that's one of the reasons we, I, I often cite that story as one of the reasons Canada is essentially like a failed state when it comes to HPV vaccine coverage. And then the star follows up with this story, the dark side of the HPV vaccine. And so I guess I had that, like, that's what bothered me so much about it. Like this, like I heard that there are from my family there, that like people were completely freaked out after they read that story. Daughters were getting angry at their mothers for making them get the vaccine. I had friends emailing me saying, hey, like, should I be worried? Um, what does this mean? And for nothing. Yeah, I think that that's a, a tremendous point. I'll point out problems with stories at any level, but this is not a problem in a story about like, you know, hipsters making artisanal pickles or, or something. This is this is a story with consequences. I mean, people are going to not get this vaccine because of this article. And, and we know that when people don't get this vaccine, they get cancer. That, that's the thing that, that um, there, there might literally be people who die as a result of the article like this this is life and death stuff this is people making decisions we know that there there there's reams of evidence that people see things in the media and then make very personal choices about their health and i really wouldn't be surprised if we have people who decide to opt out of this vaccine after reading that story i think that we can maybe talk about a wider problem with health journalism which i know is an area of interest i mean you're a health journalist and one who has i think has looked at health journalism itself you know and this is not just the stars doing or the stars fault but it seems like there's this this preoccupation with controversies and fads and stuff that's either promising you a miracle cure or trying to scare the hell out of you 
And this whole vaccination controversy, I've always wondered, is it really a controversy? Because I know that, that there's like celebrity anti-vaccination people, like they do, like anti-vaxxers aren't a myth. There are some out there. But it, I, I've spoken to people who have had like the darndest time trying to find one on a radio panel when they're trying to stage this controversy. I don't know any people who are against vaccinations. I'm sure I know some people who just have neglected to get vaccinated, but I've never encountered, and this is just an anecdote, anybody who actually will go to the mat and say, you know, I think this causes autism. We know that the science is clear on this. This will prevent HPV all the time. So, like, is this a ginned up controversy? Does this controversy actually exist? I think there's a couple things there. So I think, one, you're speaking to this essential tension that we have in media, like between science and media. In media, we need fantastic stories every single day that that are going to titillate our readers and keep them coming back. And in science, we know that breakthroughs are really, really rare. Um, And, you know, it's very rare that we find out like that even drugs get pulled from the market, which actually that that is a problem in and of itself. But um, basically, they're they're just spectacular things don't happen every day in science. So I think there's a tension there. Um, I think around that issue that you mentioned about maybe reporters overemphasizing vaccine deniers. I think that's absolutely true. I'm not up to date on the Canadian statistics, but I know that in the U.S. it's something like only around 2% of people who just outright refuse vaccines. And vaccine coverage actually hasn't declined over the last decade. What's a lot more common are vaccine-hesitant people, so people who are just not quite sure. Um, They're a little bit nervous about a vaccine they might delay, they might skip some shots if they can and take or for their children and, and get them to take others. That I can understand more than, you know, a, an anti-vaxxer. It's hard to get somebody to do something. It's hard to convince somebody through a newspaper article to go get a test. If you can get 2% of your readers to actually do something, that's a lot. But it's really easy to get people to stop doing something and to, and to introduce doubt. So if you're looking at your like 12-year-old daughter and you're saying, you know, I know I'm a rational person. I believe that this is a good vaccine. But even if it's just one out of 100,000 people who could like die or have some serious side effect, I don't think my daughter's going to be sexually active. She's not going to get genital warts and, you know, lead to, to cervical cancer. Like, I mean, maybe I'll just skip that. And maybe I won't even say that out loud. I'll just let that one thing go. That's the result of this article more than there being an, a legitimate controversy of people who disagree with the idea of vaccinating young women for this. Yeah, I think even if the article were retracted, um, you're absolutely right. The the doubt is already planted. I don't know how you can come back from this, unfortunately. Like, um, there's a lot of research by, you know, I don't know if you know this guy, but Brian Nehan down here, and he looks into how difficult it is to change people's minds and how basically debunking is completely useless um, because you just can't, which kind of makes my job um, feel a little little bit like fe- feckless or something, but he talks about how you just can't really change people's minds. And and um, after presenting the story in this case the way it was presented, I'm really not sure how you come come back from that. Julia, I wonder if there's like an issue here around the level of of scientific acumen 
with the journalists in question. I actually feel bad for these guys, for David Bruiser and, and Jesse McLean, who, of course, didn't write that headline. I don't really know what scientific background they have. And it seems that nobody in the editorial process said, hey, wait a minute. Maybe we're off on, on, on uh, you know, a faulty uh, hypothesis here. I think that there's this larger issue we, we might talk about. You know, you, you, you write exclusively about health and science. Is that correct? Yeah, medicine and public health. Yep. I know that these guys don't exclusively like, you know, Jesse McLean is on Kevin Donovan's investigative team, and they built this like you would build a story about about a piece of, you know, public policy about housing or schools or something. Science is very different. I mean, usually picking outlier cases is uh, a way of finding news stories. The aberrations do tell you something. But when it comes to science, the aberrations, uh, especially when they're not confirmed aberrations, we don't know that these people's problems were caused by the vaccine. This was a bad way of doing science journalism. Do you think there's a problem here, especially in Canada? We don't have many dedicated science journalists with scientific background. Is that a part of this? So I think you're, you're yeah, right to point that out. Um, that the, that the HPV vaccine story in the Star wasn't done by anyone on the health team, and they they're an excellent group of reporters there. Um, that but that's what editors are for. I'm surprised they didn't. I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I'm surprised they didn't run it by reporters who do work on health, like Teresa Boyle, um, Jennifer Yang, um, the others who would be familiar with with some of these things. And if you're just diving into to this debate, like uh, you know, after reporting on health for the last few years, it takes a long time to get used to these little meta debates and to understand you know, where the kind of points of view of various players and researchers and the, the little you know, spats or debates that happen in these subfields of medicine. And you have to put the time in. Um, I think in Canada, we do have really, really excellent examples of people who are um, evidence-minded health reporters and who know their beats really, really well. Um, maybe we don't have enough of them, but like, you know, people like Helen Branswell, Andre Picard, um, other commentators like Yoni Friedhoff, Tim Caulfield, you know, they're, they're voices that are recognized globally for being just completely top of their field, excellent on medicine and public health or science. Just looking at science reporting in general, so Post Media lays off Margaret Monroe, who was a dedicated science reporter who actually brought the the, uh, muzzled scientist controversy out. She broke that story. And the National Post still employs Terrence Corcoran. Both of them were just sued successfully for defamation by a climate scientist. And this blistering ruling, the court found that Corcoran willfully misrepresented and misquoted the scientist. You know, there, there are decisions being made at a higher level here about who stays and who goes, you know, environmental reporting, science reporting, health reporting, that the people who have the background, you know, and the competence in this are increasingly out of work while, while other people are continuing to write about this stuff. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit more hopeful. I think that they're, hope, I'm hoping that there's like a generation of um, young reporters who are learning the bead, maybe they're blogging and that eventually they'll get jobs and they'll have voices in the mainstream media. I'm seeing down here that there's a lot of new growth. I work at an outlet that didn't exist about a year ago, um, and it's doing tremendously well. There, there are a bunch of other outlets that have just popped up basically out of nowhere over the last couple of years. In, in health, there's a lot of funding coming from nonprofits to fund um, global health and public health reporting, um, which journalists are taking advantage of and bringing to mainstream uh, media outlets to do investigations. There is new growth that's happening. I think we're going through a tough time, but I'm hopeful that um, 
you know, right now in this digital space, we're going to see, we're see, I, mean, I think we already are, we're seeing some of the best health reporting and debate. You know, if that story, the Toronto Star, um, the dark side of the HPV vaccine ran a few years ago, pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, before we had bloggers like Jen Gunther and, and other people who kind of jumped right in there and um, started talking about it, you know, probably would have just like, may, may, you, may, you know, what would be actually really interesting to compare the dark side of the HPV vaccine and the Our Daughters Are Guinea Pigs cover at McLean's and the reaction um, that each of them received. And I think we'd, we're seeing a lot more discourse and reaction now than we probably did back then. But then again, I, I don't know how much of the problematic coverage will be corrected in the minds of people who are now making the decision about whether or not to vaccinate their their kids, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of something that happens when you kind of like poke uh, a hornet's nest. I mean, maybe this, you know, like this has become a red hot issue in the wake of the star story. And we are talking about it. And I know more about this than, you know, uh, I ever did before. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not not sure that I would have necessarily read that article had it not elicited the reaction that it has. Julia, is there anything the star can do to make this right? I think that they need to correct, retract make a story about this as big or bigger than the story that they ran in the first place and make a real effort to reach people who were quite frankly scared shitless by that story like they need to reach the people that they reached in the first place with a, you know with a retraction explaining exactly why they misrepresented this vaccine <laughs> That is your Canada Land show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can always email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. The show's website is canadalandshow.com and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. One last reminder that Canada Land is taping live this week in Fredericton, in Fredericton, New Brunswick. This is at... This is on Thursday, February 19th at 7.30 p.m. at Kinsella Auditorium at St. Thomas University. I will see some of you there. If you like this show, support it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 